Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tigers Down Under. I'm your host, Alex, and with me I have Dan. How are you, Dan? Yeah, look, I'm I'm all right. Uh, it's just about the end of the season, and it's uh, it's been a like while. It. It's been a wild ride. Um, yeah. we're almost there, and I we've, we've pretty much met. I think it'd be interesting to see exactly what our predictions were for the from the beginning of the season. But I I'd say we'd all be pretty happy to have at least reached survival. So yeah, that's right. I think. I think, yeah, I'll, I'll have to pull out the clip of it for um, for the review that we do in the next week or two just to see exactly what we were saying. I think we were all pretty happy just to not be bottom three. I don't think anyone was sort of expecting mid-table or playoffs or anything like that, even though I remember after that 4-1 win against Preston, I think Lewis Potter came out and said, you know, we're, we've got an eye on the playoffs. We're going to do everything we can to and, you know, it unraveled pretty quickly. But, look, I mean, two polarising games to talk about today um, to sort of show sort of... I guess, how inconsistent teams can be this time of season when you don't have a whole lot to play for. Um, we'll start with that positive result against Reading, which was two weeks ago now. Um, wisdom teeth out last week for me meant we didn't have an episode. Um, so we do have the pleasure of at least balancing out the Bristol City result with this Reading game to discuss. Um, a fantastic result at home. It was sort of well overdue. And I think we were just saying it's our um, biggest winning margin at home all season. Uh, equaled our margin of victory against Preston and Peterborough away from home. Uh, and two goals for KLP is, is a pretty awesome way to essentially sign off the home season. Yeah, look, it was it was really good overall performance, nice and strong. And it, it sort of it gave me the, the impression that after that game that we were gonna we were actually gonna finish the season with a bit of a roar. Um, and obviously we'll talk about how that's sort of turned into a bit of a whimper um, soon. But there was lots of really good signs in it. And I think we'd been building up over the previous few games, like heading towards like, you know, a really good overall performance and, and heading into a really strong end of the season. And which was, you know, we'd be, we've talked about like how important that would be building for next season and all of those sorts of things. So there was lots of good signs heading into that game. And then that game uh, obviously was a really good result um, with like really good performances across the park. So um, it was really good. Yeah. In that regard, but, um, sort of the, the gloss is taken off by uh, what followed afterwards, but we'll get to that in due course. Yeah, certainly. Look, I think just on the positives in that game, I think especially, and we've been talking about him in recent episodes, but Ali, um, whether he was up top or, or out wide, was just brilliant, I thought. I thought able to win the ball back, play the ball through to Lewis Potter or Eves or Honeyman or whoever was kind of overlapping and running up past him. Um, was really fantastic to see. And I, I saw a bit of discussion, which I thought was really spot on. And we don't talk enough about, I think, Shotter's influence on the squad and the players that he's developed in his time at the club. Um, when you look at like a Fleming, for instance, who mm. wasn't getting a whole lot of game time under McCann, you know, through injury and other, you know, elders form and things like that. Fleming's come on in leap, leaps and bounds. Um, the way that he's eased Ali in, in his first season in England, I think has been really good because he could have very easily... <clears throat> given him two, three, four starts in a row at the start of his of his season. And granted, he had a few injuries, which didn't help things. But um, the fact that he kind of kept him out of that limelight and didn't let the expectations grow too much on him, just gave him a few cameos, let him ease into it, learn the pace, uh, kind of get his feet under the desk, so to speak, has sort of shown in these last few games when he's gotten the starts that he's actually started to adapt pretty well. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment um, and probably a fair, you know, 
a pat on the back for for Shotter's map, you know, map management um, or man management um, approach to that specific situation. Um, I think you're right. Like there were in those in the cameos that we saw early on, there were some brief flashes, but it sort of felt like he wasn't quite there. But for whatever reason, that you know, his his release, so to speak, releasing him out from the from the get go, that seemed to be timed to just about perfection because that first you know, start he got, he was very impressive. And I think it was only his second start that he scored, yeah. um, you know, and, and he's been a very consistent threat in the, in the few games since then. So, um, you know, I think he just, he's, he's almost like having at the moment, he's been like having a, a honeymoon in the fall, like as an actual striker, he is full of energy and, he, and he's running and chasing and, and putting pressure on. And, you know, I think, that was that was that how he got his foot his first goal was that wasn't it it was the pressuring on yeah. a back pass or something yeah and then yeah like, that, uh, uh i don't think it was a back i think it was a through ball but it was it was that sort of play yeah where he mm. just kind of like cut it past I the keeper and got in yeah wasn't it? i thought maybe it was a back I thought pass, it was yeah. i thought it was a pass from the wide defender into the center back or the keeper and then he snuck in and got a toe around and oh it, it might have been yeah but i mean maybe that was a different goal maybe it wasn't his first one i can't remember but something yeah but i think he's been just really, really impressive in the way. And I think, again, for another really young player, because you, you forget he's he's only 20 or something as well. 21, he? I think. Yeah, 20, 21, yeah, so something like that. Yeah. Like a, there's a lot actually uh, that what it tempers out all of that gung-ho, you know, 100 mile an hour attitude is actually quite a lot of maturity shown, you know, in key moments, particularly the game against Reading, you know, was able to win a free kick, which then, you know, a bit of... Uh, fumbling and bumbling in the box and Jones was able to knock it in. But I think just he's, he's acclimatizing really, really well. And I haven't seen the like official statement about that. We've, you know, taken the option to, to, you know, acquire him on a permanent basis. But if that comes or when that comes, it's going to be a really good piece of business. And I think he will be a player who will offer us a lot next season. I think um, I think a Fenerbahce board member or someone like that tweeted out to say mm. he could confirm that's happened, but there's been nothing from the. Mm. I suspect it's gonna be one of those where almost as soon as the season finishes, like yeah. that sort of first week after the season finishes, we're gonna just announce it because it's such a formality. But it's probably just waiting for the season to finish at this point. Yeah, I think there'll be a lot of things that'll be announced pretty much yeah. as soon as the <laughs> well, season finishes. Yeah. I feel I feel like there'll be a lot of players, or not necessarily a lot, but a few players that will you know, have their loan deals ended and we won't be taking their option and a yeah. couple that will take on and a couple of players that will get announced as being, you know, not, not offered new contracts and there'll, there'll be a lot of news very quickly, I suspect. Yeah, I think you're right on that one. It's going to be a very interesting first couple of weeks uh, after the season. Um, you mentioned there the Jones goal. I think that was the first goal a centre-back scored for us this season. So it's good that we actually finally got one considering we've been playing with three centre-backs for most of the season. Well, I guess three quarters of the season or whatever it's been, um, you know, uh, honeyman free kick in, as you said, a bit of fumbling and bumbling in the box. Um, but you know, essentially two assists for honeyman on the days, you know, to go with that first one for, for Lewis Potter as well. Uh, good to see Jones on the score sheet. Yeah, I think was it, it was really, it was good to see him. I think it's been like crazy watching how close like Greaves has come, you know, yeah. I think particularly in the first half of the season, that, that sort of thing has, seems to have steadied off in the second half. But that first half, the amount of times he was 
getting into the box on a corner or a free kick and then, you know, heading it just narrowly wide or whatever and just couldn't quite get it to go in or was was wild. So it was good to see one finally get in. And I think was it was it Reading or one of the game the last couple of games we've played, their you know, their centre backs were scoring all their goals. I can't remember if it was Reading or something. Uh, Cardiff, Cardiff, was it Cardiff. Cardiff. Yeah. So yeah, who and I was just like, that's crazy. They'd had the majority of their goals scored by their three centre backs or something crazy. And I was like, what? But yeah, anyway, uh, yeah, it is. It's good to see him get one, and I think you know the passion and everything that he showed, and and I think the comments afterwards about how much he's loving life here and everything is is all really good as well. And I think, um, yeah, I think he, yeah, since he's come back in, I think over Bernard, he's been quite, you know, quite impressive as well overall. No doubt, yeah, absolutely. Um, and KLP with two goals, um. I think there's a few scouts in the in the stands for this one. I think uh, David Moy supposedly was there, and as well as Brentford and Spurs representatives. So probably putting on a bit of a show for them as well. But uh, good to see him get two goals, get into double figures, um, and he's kind of capped it up, capped it off last night with being named players player of the season, player of the season, supporters player of the season, sort of picking up all the all the awards in the same way that Honeyman did last year. So a pretty good season for for Lewis Potter in the end. Yeah, and I think um, they were two really well-taken goals. Um, and I think he's, his development this year where at times, I think we have been critical of maybe his ability to stand up, you know, on a more consistent basis perhaps, or like in the games that really mattered when we were desperate for points and things, and maybe he didn't, you know, in a few few moments. But I think overall for his, his first full season in the championship to – bag was it now 11 goals or whatever 11 yeah, yeah which, and when you and plus plus a few assists and yeah you know in a, in a team that really has struggled to score goals for for large portions and, season, and we're, he's, he's, he's probably played about a third of the season at wing back as well yeah well that's true as well i didn't hadn't even considered the positional yeah. uh, influence on that but i think and I mean, I don't know what what it's like, but I'm thinking there's probably not that many other 21 year olds that scored 11 goals in the championship this year. Yeah. So that's a factor as well. He's he's only young, and um, you know, if if we can, if he stays for next season and does that again, then I'd I probably expect that he would be able to get a couple more if we're oh, yeah, improve the squad look, again. Like he'd be looking at 15 yeah. or 20 goals next season, probably. Yeah. So I think. It's just been it's been really good progression from him over the last two seasons as a whole, and I think to think of how he was in those first few appearances where he came on, you know, and yes, admittedly he nabbed a goal, and I think in one of those early early appearances um, at the back end of that last championship campaign, but I think he has come along so so much, and I guess it comes back to one of the things where one of our strengths really is and something that we need to continue is, is that Academy. We are producing some really good quality players. And even over the last few days, there's been lots and lots of either, you know, city players that are loaned out or ex city players that have been involved in, you know, promotions and, you know, making playoffs and stuff all across the the football league. So lots of players out there doing some really good stuff and, um, yeah, so it's, uh, I think good, good, potentially good times ahead if if they can, you know, get back amongst it and get involved and, and push, force their way into into black and amber shirt. Yeah, speaking of loans, though, I suspect Matt Ingram would have liked a better start to his loan spell at Luton, letting in uh, six goals. Was it no seven goals? Seven. Against <laughs> yeah, 
not not um, a fantastic one, but yeah, no, not not the best. But um, uh, some people are saying, you know, that that's marking the end of you know his city like city career or whatever. But I don't necessarily see it as anything as you know as if anything. Uh, I think it shows how you, highly he's rated in the league that he's sort yeah. of a promotion chasing side has said, can we get Matt Ingram on loan because he's a fantastic mm. keeper that's probably available. Yeah, and I think that's something I think maybe we've talked about just in the in our chat. I think on a in a less public forum, but that there's lots of these comments about how Baxter, you know, is far superior to Ingram, and we should get rid of Ingram and make Baxter signing Baxter a priority. And there are elements to that which I agree with. That I think signing Baxter would be a, would be a, he'd be a great addition to the squad moving forward. You know, we know what he offers. We know, and he's he's young and he's only going to improve. But I think right now, or is my opinion that. Those two, Baxter and Ingram, are fairly comparable in terms of their performance levels this season. I think that's shown when, you know, they've both, you know, been able to, you know, accumulate multiple clean sheets. They've both been pulling off match or like goal saving set goal making goal saving preventing goals. I don't know how to word that best, but um, and both really just performing really well. And I think having two keepers at that level where they're both are genuinely genuine options to to be that first keeper is what's propelling them to play so high at such a high level and so consistently sure we saw like a fair bit of a lull from baxter on the weekend a pretty average performance some you know brain snaps however you want to describe it but i think um you're you're right when you that that of, you think like of all the teams that are now no longer eligible for playoffs, which is all, all keepers that then are available for for Luton to say we need to grab one of these on a temporary on it for a game or two, you know maybe it's you know six games or whatever, and to, to pick out Ingram as the one that they want, I think does show how highly he's rated, how well he's performed this season, and you know. If anything, it goes, well, that's someone that we should keep. If other people want him, we should want him as well, really. Yeah, absolutely. Make, make someone pay for him at the very least. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's right. Um, so I'll, I'll give my MVP votes for this one. We can talk briefly about that Bristol City game and then we'll move on because uh, I don't think there's a whole lot to talk about with that Bristol City game. But I, I went KLP for the three votes. I think the two goals puts him sort of head and shoulders above in that sense. Really well taken for the first and for the second, as you said. Um, I went Ali for the two. I thought... A fantastic game from him um, with his work rate, and I went Jones for the one vote just for for finally nabbing his goal. Look, uh, yeah, when I first saw, I saw what you were going to vote, and I was like, oh, that's a, that's a very good, like I can't argue with those picks. But then we've been having a discussion, and I might just flip switch Honeyman in for Ali, I think with a couple yeah. of assists, and and actually just again a, a strong performance, one of the ones that we were so used to seeing him deliver for, for long periods where he sort of maybe faded off a little bit. We've talked about over the last maybe month or so. Um, but again, that was a, a really nice, strong performance against Reading. So I'm going to give two points to him and keep one, uh, KLP on three and Jones on one. Good shout. Yeah. Look, um, talking about the Bristol city game now, um, Eves came into the lineup and I was actually quite excited by that change because I've sort of been saying on here, that I've been interested in seeing what would happen if we had a, a sort of a tall, strong hold-up striker next to Ali to sort of play him in, let him sort of run the lines, um, you know, sort of press high on, on opposition's defence. And it was 
pretty disappointing that we didn't really get to see much of that at all. And and I do wonder if perhaps the shape of the side where um, Ali and KLP basically, I think, pretty much played in behind Eves, just didn't didn't work the way that Shot had probably wanted it to, and and not helped as you as you said before by those sorts of the brain fades from Baxter and and the defence in general. Um, hard to know what what that what that's down to whether it's just the fact that it's the end of the season and there's not as much to play for. Um, I did sort of cynically joke having watched the um, I think it's the the League of Seventy Two did a feature on Baxter saying how he was he's still really set on wanting to play for Chelsea, wanting to be their keeper, and sort of saying. If if Hull comes in with an offer for a permanent deal, he'll do what's best for him and he'll sign for the club because he loves being here, but that he's still set on being the Chelsea number one. The cynic part of me does say, well, I wonder if he's put in a poor performance when and he knows there's nothing on the line, but he knows that when we when we start thinking in the summer, do we want to sign him, that a, there's a very fresh memory of a pretty poor performance to say that maybe he'll go back to Chelsea, but I don't know. It's it's a hard one to you know it's it's end of the season. There's not a whole whole lot to play for. It's probably just a an off day. Yeah, I think there seems to be a couple of elements that have come out after the game where Shotter had uh, apparently made a comment about how uh, Bristol played direct or something, but then uh, Pearson doesn't believe that they played direct. He believes they play on the counter, and he said that Shotter's obviously miss under like misrepresented right. or misunderstood the, the the way they play and that that's what got them caught out. Now, I don't know whether that's true or not. Um, perhaps the analysis, you know, was, you know, it's, it's entirely possible that the, the, the analysis they picked out to watch, they've only, you know, that they've, you know, seen a long ball or something and said, oh, well, they play direct, so we'll play a high line and we'll do this and we'll get Baxter out high to, to clean that up. But if there was a mistake, an error in that analysis, which happens, um, then that would account for essentially why we were torn up because we were set up to play a different team. (laughs) So um, again, I don't know whether that's accurate or whether it's just, you know, smoke and mirrors from, um, you know, different managers and and whatever, but. And I think in fairness, I did hear that I think Bristol city have scored the fourth most goals in the division, but they've conceded like the second most or something like that. Like they've got, a really sort of Jekyll and Hyde side in that sense. So they do score a lot of goals. It's not as if this 5-0 was out of the blue for them. Like they do seem quite a heavy scoring side. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what it was that set us set us up so poorly. It seemed like because Hun- Honeyman was deployed deeper, wasn't he? Yeah. In like where Slater would normally say say start. Because it was basically and- just Honeyman and Small... Smallwood, yeah. wasn't it, as the only two? And then it was, yeah, yeah Ali, KLP. Yeah. And it seemed like that, you know, uh, Bristol was pretty fairly able to, to play their way through the midfield and, and then play it in behind. So I admittedly, I only watched pretty much till about five minutes after we went 3-0 down, and then I went to bed like a Fairweather fan. Um, shame on me. But uh, I, it doesn't really seem like it improved that much in the second half, but I can't really... I mean, we conceded another two after halftime, yeah. but I don't really know whether the performance improved, whether we adjusted tactics or what. So it's sort of really hard to make a final yeah, assessment. I, but... I, I only had one eye on it. Um, the only thing I'd say was it was cool to see the city supporters in the away end all dressed up for the final away game of the season, having a bit of a party, which was uh, fun to see. Yeah, and I think like you put it all in context. Yes, it's disappointing, and it would we, we would have been really nice to have finished, you know, with, with some nice form, um, 
you know, going into the end of the season. But, you know, the goal was survival. The goal was safety. We achieved that. So it sort of is, sadly, they are sort of nothing games now. Uh, so does it really, 5 no looks real bad, but does it really matter? Probably not. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, and look, I think I think that there won't be MVP votes for this game because I think we were struggling to come up with even one player who who would have got points for this one. Um, so we'll move on then, and we'll do our who am I game. So this week I've come up with a player where because because you've been quite good at them lately, and I do sort of have to find that range of what's too difficult or what's what's easier. I am going to be curious to see how you go with this one. I think you should. I think you should get it. But it's definitely a uh, definitely a trickier one to get. So uh, we'll see how we go. Um, the first clue is I made forty nine league appearances for City and scored six goals. Forty nine. All right. I'm I'm feeling like, and now I can't remember any of their names, but I'm feeling like maybe one of those strikers that we signed like at the beginning of Slutsky's freaking uh one of those because oh what the hell's his name i don't know anyway i'm never gonna get this because i can't remember any names and i'm probably thinking of the full wrong ballpark like area completely you're, you're, you're in the right area of the pitch i'll give you that um <laughs> years not so not so much um uh, correct so i'll go i joined city in 2015 and left in 2018 and i'm norwegian Uh, but I feel this is gonna be. Uh, this is gonna. This is why I hate. So there's a couple. There's a couple of players that this could be. So that's why I was I was able to give you the nationality because there's a. I think we had a couple. All I can think of is like freaking Danish players and like I can't think of any <laughs> like can't connect in my mind any players to Norway and it's doing my head in. Um so that was So twenty fifteen's just before so that was Bruce's last season. Yeah. And twenty eighteen was I wanna say Adkins, but it might have been Yeah, no, I feel like it would have had to be Adkins. Uh, it's not, I am unsure of if I've got his nationality right, but it's not like Diamande, is it? Yeah, spot on. Well done. <laughs> I was thinking, I was thinking, cause we had, uh, Henriksen joined six months later. Who's also Norwegian. So I thought that right. was his that name popped into my head, but then I was like, is he, was he Norway or was he Denmark? And I was like, oh, I can't yeah. remember. Cause then I was going to so, say the next clue was going to be, I was a striker and wore the number 20 in our premier league season. Um, I actually didn't, I forgot that he'd wore the number 20. So he must've worn it just before Bowen, which is kind of cool. Um, and I think if you'd gotten really stuck, I might've given you a clue about the bicycle kick or something. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a good one. That's, that's a good pull. Um, that, yeah, I thought that would be a bit more of a tricky one. Um, but well done. Okay. Um, and then just to finish things off, we've got our preview with the forest game, which, you know, it's a bit of a shame it's not as um, noteworthy as it might have been if the result this morning had gone a different way. But they're now six points behind Bournemouth, so they can't make the automatics. Um, so this is a bit of a bit of a dead rubber now. 
Um, I don't know if you followed. There's been a bit of um, a bit of trouble with Forest fans mm. trying to buy tickets in the home end, um, which I think is probably going to die down now, which is a bit funny. But um, I think there's been a few comments of, you know, little old Hull could use our money. Why don't they let us buy tickets in the home end? They're so ungrateful, blah, blah, blah. So um, can't be too unhappy that they lost this morning after that. Yeah, look, I it's so... I mean, it's, I think it's really good from the club in terms of uh, like a place, uh, not place, fan safety and all those sorts of things to be on top of this and, and ch- checking in on like where some of these, you know, tickets are coming or being purchased from and like the, the names associated and, and addresses and everything and saying like, you, you must have made a mistake. Here's your money back. Try again. Other end of the stadium next yeah. time. But like, because, you know, I think with the arrogance that has already been shown by the fans, by those Forest fans before the game even kicks off, I can only see, like, if they manage to weasel their way into, if any of them manage to weasel their way in, in any sort of significant way, there's a little pocket of them in there and um, manage to get in amongst the home end, then I can I can just see trouble of some sort. Yeah, It just, it, it just doesn't. And I think it's good by the club to say, no, we don't want that. Um, there's, you know, there's plenty of stadium there for them to sit in. So I don't know why they want to sit in the home end for any reason other than that they just want to go and cause trouble. And so I saw the I saw the comment um, after this morning's game that that City should have after that result um, tweeted out saying that they were releasing another five thousand seats for the Forest fans and see how many of those get taken up now that they now that it doesn't mean anything uh, would have been quite funny. But yeah, look, I mean, on the game itself. Much like the Bristol City game, much like the Reading game, I think it's going to be very much a, a dead rubber game. Not not a whole lot to play for. I'm hoping it tends more towards the Reading side of things than the than the Bristol City side of things. Um, finish off the season at home well, um, sort of set the tone for next season would be nice. Um, mm. But other than that, I guess you know, just testing ourselves against one of the better sides in the division, I guess, is the only only sort of interest in this one. Yeah, I think like I think as you say, like it'd be. A good performance, you know, I don't necessarily mean that, that has to be a win, but a really good performance, in, you know, in front of a what should be a really big crowd, um, you know, for last for home, last home game of the season, um, you know, is really should be really good. Try and get a really good atmosphere to to get everyone excited for next season. Um, but yeah, I I think I, I some this game obviously still matters in in some regard more to Forrest than it does to us. There's still like, I mean, there's a still a shakeup that could happen between third and fourth and fifth and sixth. So if they have a preference for like who they want to play or like, you know, because I, I don't know what their record is like against the other teams in that, that are in the playoffs now. But if, you know, if they've had two wins against Luton, but they've only had a draw and a win against Sheffield or something ter- like dumb like that, maybe they w- would want to finish yeah. third so that they can, you know, or put you know play off against whatever, but it's and also very, like, very... yeah, I'm guessing that you know going in on on the back of two losses isn't what they're going to want either. So they're going to yeah. be wanting to go in with some sort of form, even if the game doesn't mean a whole lot. Yeah, I think um, you always, especially going into playoffs and where you know they become crucial fixtures um, with so much riding on them, and you have to be performing at your best you definitely want to go in there with some level of form um, to lo- heading into the playoffs on two losses. I can't think of probably anything worse than that, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, cause it's interesting. I mean, I guess I was just thinking as well, maybe they'll rest players 
because if they've got a few injuries or something, but it's, it's a really weird one. Cause like you say, you don't want to go in on the back of two losses, but you also want to be sensible. And if you've got a few niggles or something mm. like that, you'd probably want to rest them. But I don't know. It's, it's sort of a tough one because you still want your players to be sort of confident in form. Like you look at in league one, was it, um, was it MK, was it, was it MK Dons? I think won their last game five nil or something, six nil. And so you think, well, they're going into the playoffs, but they're going in on the back of a big win, which will give them a lot of confidence. You'd want to be going in like you think Chef United have to win to stay in the playoff places. So they'll be fighting in their game. Um, you wouldn't want to be the side going in on the back of two losses, sort of a loss of momentum, disappointment at missing out on the automatics. So, uh, yeah, I, I, it'd be really tough to know what Forrest are going to actually turn up and do on the weekend. Yeah, and I, I, at the end of the day, it's always like that. You never really know how a team's going to show up, how they're going to line up, how they're going to how well they've prepared for that game. So it's, I guess in that regard, it's not really any different to any other game. So yeah. just go out and do whatever we do. And I, you know, I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know whether that means that Shot is going to make, you know, a raft of changes and just let, you know, any of the players he's undecided about or, you know, whatever, have a run and show what they can do or, or what, or whether, you know, maybe a five nil is enough to, to, to drop Baxter and maybe Cartwright comes in for a start. Apparently he's already, he's been considering it anyway. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I, I heard that. I, I read something that, um, you know, he's, he's seriously considering Cartwright anyway. So, and, and Ingram's gone now. So and, and Ingram's gone. So at the very least Cartwright will make the bench. So if we're going yeah. to talk about changes for the, for this weekend. Then... Yeah. I was going <laughs> to, I, I was going to ask if there's any players in particular you'd want to see. I think Cartwright's a really good shout to see him in goal. I think if he's fit, and that's a big if, but Emmanuel coming back into the side, even if he's just off the bench mm. for five, 10 minutes would be awesome to see just as a bit of a um, emotional yeah. lift. And Williams um, as well. If they, yeah, Williams, I'd yeah, love yeah. to see get, you know, the same 10 minutes or something at the end of the game would be really, really positive. Um, I guess like in a few, yeah. I mean, it, it's sort of one of those things, like as we, it doesn't, the game doesn't really mean anything to us. Sure. Mm. We want to perform well, but like, play the best play just about your best 11 and then just fill the bench with, you know, guys who are coming, coming back from that injury layoff too. Cause I can't think of anything worse than like going, having that injury and that taking you then out of the whole season. And then you have to wait all that plus the like off season and then the preseason before you get to like play again. So um, I know I wouldn't cope and I'm only a lowly bloody fifth division, bloody nothing player at the, local bloody Sunday league. But um, so I think if there, if that option is there for those players, I think that would be really good. And again, like from that man management side, giving them just saying like, we'll give you the opportunity to get you out on the football on the pitch before the end of the season. And, and, you know, I think that would be really good for them on a, you know, in terms of their, well, their meant like their mental side and that, that well-being off the pitch as well that would really benefit them moving forward in their rehab and, and their preparations for next season. Yeah, and, and probably Huddleston as well is the other one I'm thinking of that to give him a farewell appearance. Even again, I mean, I don't know how many cameo appearances we're going to get off the bench, but you know, he's another one that you give him 10, 15 minutes at the end. And um, I guess I'm trying to remember the first time he left the club and I feel like with a lot of those guys, there was no chance to farewell them because they just mm. got sold or cut after the season so um to give the fans a proper chance to say farewell to him i think would be pretty awesome as well um mm. 
maybe he starts and comes off at halftime. I don't know, but uh, he's another one that would be awesome to see on the pitch if we can. Yeah, I think he's all right. He's been a really good serv- servant for us, you know, over the cu- the couple of uh, t- uh, times he's been contracted to us. Even that, uh, Admittedly, sure, he hasn't played a lot this time, but I think, again, you look at the way that some of our midfielders have developed over the course of this season, and I think it's you have to attribute some of that to having someone of his his class and his knowledge of the game, you know, within that squad and within that dressing room. So I think, you know, he's had a big footprint on this club and, you know, I, you know, still, I can still remember that the, the goal, was it the six nil against Fulham? Where he yeah. did, and that was the, the haircut celebration. And he ran off and they cut a lock of hair and then he, you know, shaved and donated to charity and all that sort of stuff. I can still remember that. So like, think he's been a really good servant for us and he does deserve i think you know and it's something that maybe hasn't happened to a few of those players that have been really good servants for us and then have sort of just unceremoniously disappeared from the club um it would be good to actually recognize and reward some of them um yeah come come the weekend anyone who's yeah yeah, so I'm I'm hoping that the game's uh, on KO. I mean, it doesn't make a huge difference if it's I follow or KO, but I, I, you know, if if um if the automatics was still alive for Forest, no doubt it would have been. But um, I'll keep an eye out to see what the televised games are for that. But you know, 9 p.m. it's a good nice kickoff time for once. So looking forward to that one indeed. Um, any any sense on the result? Anything that I mean, you sort of already mentioned. As long as we put in a positive performance, I guess that's the main thing in this one. Yeah, look, uh, I'll be happy with anything that isn't a 5 0 thrashing. <laughs> Pretty yeah, much. Absolutely. Um, I think that's just about unless it. Unless it's, you know, our way. If we thrash Forest 5 0, I'll be real happy. <laughs> um, yeah, that would certainly be a good way to, to finish off the season. Yeah, no doubt. Um, okay, well, I think that just about wraps things up. Um, we'll be back probably next week, maybe the week after, to do a uh, full review of the season um, with a couple of the guys. Uh, we'll announce our player of the season who's sort of won the most MVP votes uh, over the course of the season. Um, but as always, if it's um, your first time listening or first time watching, hit like, hit subscribe, share the videos around, let us know what you thought of these games as well. Um, but as always, thanks for joining me, Dan. No worries. And thanks everyone for listening in. We'll be back um, before too long to, to wrap up the season as a whole. But until then, come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast. For more discussion, join us on Facebook in the Hull City AFC Australian Supporters Group or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black. This is on fire. We're going higher and higher. There's no turning back.